Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, we continue our, I guess, series on um, the comms project, right? Yeah, and it's going to be, uh, it's good. I think we've had a lot of really good success, a lot of people listening to uh, to these episodes. So people are really interested in learning what's going on with comms. Yeah, in the last, the last uh, episode we had about comms, we had on some food service people down in Lakeland. Uh, I thought they did a great job explaining, uh, you know, their rollout with comms. But we're moving on now. We're moving on to another facility. And we have a wonderful friend of the pod on today. I'm excited to have uh, my former co-host before before you fired him, now warden of the Cotton Correction Facility, Noah Nagy. On Noah, welcome to welcome back to uh, this thing that uh, you started. Thanks, uh, Greg and, and Chris, and uh, I tell you, you guys certainly have uh, done a wonderful job with the podcast, and uh, you bring in all of us here in the Department of Corrections uh, great information and knowledge, and uh, you certainly have taken it to a new level. It's fun to fun to see, and I'm very proud of you guys. You're doing a great job. Well, okay, you read that exactly as we wrote it, so I really appreciate that. No, good <laughs> well, job. I had to write that down so I could read it correctly. Okay. Yeah, and I and I do agree that it has gotten a lot better since you left. So, um, yeah, yeah, and, and with Noah, we have on Greg Bordeaux. And uh, Greg, welcome to Field Days. Uh, it's, it's great to have you on. And can you explain to everybody uh, kind of what you do? Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm Greg Bordeaux. I'm the project manager for the Organizational Change Management Team, or OCM team for short. I lead the OCM team on the comms project. And uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. We appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, Noah, let's let's kick this off uh, with you. There, there is a lot of activity over at your facility at Cotton, uh, and, and you've been there for what, what a month or so now. How long have you been there for? Yeah, about six weeks now. Six weeks. Okay. So you, so you got it all down now. You got, you got it all figured out, right, at Cotton? Right. Right. Sure. Good. So, can you give us a quick rundown on what's been going on um, with comms at your facility? Well, yeah. Yeah. As you, as you know, uh, uh, food service has implemented comms department wide. I was fortunate enough before I came over here to Cotton to be at Lakeland. We had the opportunity to pilot it in the food service area, so I had a good understanding of of what was going on. I worked real closely with Greg Torrey, uh, our food service food service director over at, at Lakeland, and he did a great job of working with with Greg and his team to, uh, you know, make sure that we were getting information out. And this has been a huge accomplishment for food service and a big milestone for the department, as, as we all know. Uh, so far, you know, working here at Cotton and working with our facility manager, Tim Schubring, and our food service director here, Amy Kofalt, uh they said it, it has been a successful launch. Uh, there hasn't really been any major issues or obstacles that have been uncovered during the rollout, which has been, uh, you know, a huge accomplishment, as I mentioned earlier. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone involved in making this a, such a successful launch. It's, uh, you know, something that's been in the planning for a long time, a lot of work. A lot of folks have been working hard behind the scenes to make sure that when we actually got to the point to launch this, that uh, we would uh, have a successful launch. And so far, it's been great. That, that, that's great. And Greg, how many how many facilities now, I don't know, if, maybe you know this, have this food service comp? Are they all having it? Are we piloting this? They all have it. Yeah. Uh, we piloted it. Uh at a facility for a month and a half, and then we went live with everybody on October 1st. And what, what's coming up next for us? So up next, we have healthcare coming up. The pilot is going to be at Women's Huron Valley, and that is going live with them on December 10th. So big thanks to everyone there being the first in with the healthcare module. Uh, after that, the statewide rollout for everyone else is coming on January 14th of 2020. And uh, what we're doing as an OCM team to help prepare for healthcare is we're, we're currently working 
with uh, Marty K. Sherry and Deputy Director McKee and the wardens to establish our healthcare change champions so that the healthcare change network will be fully in place by the end of November uh, to prepare for the healthcare rollout in January. Well, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned the uh, change champions and the change network because I know we there was a survey. I don't know. I don't know, Chris. You, you might know better than I do, but it was a couple months back, I believe. Um, but there was a there was a survey that got rolled out to um, everybody MDOC to kind of get a sense of where they are with comms, what, what they know about comms. Um, and I know change champions was one of the questions that a lot of people I know in FOA had questions about. They didn't know what a change champion was. Can you talk about what that means to this project and what a change network is. It's an established group of department staff uh, tasked with helping to get the entire department aware, prepared, and ready to use comms. Uh, change champions are at each facility ready to help with the comms implementation. And these are knowledgeable people who are plugged into the comms project and attend regularly scheduled readiness calls with the comms project team. They, there they receive a lot of information and they know what's going on. And there's essentially two types of these uh, change champs. There's module specific and project wide. Uh, talking about project wide, change champions. These are leaders at each facility who will be available to help throughout the entire comms implementation. Uh, they receive all the comms project materials and will attend all of the informational readiness calls for all of the modules. So they're going to be here for uh, several years. They're sort of the glue that holds the network together throughout the implementation. And many of these folks were actually selected from the warden's executive staff. And then the other band of change champs are the module specific. These are leaders from those uh, immediately impacted business areas, uh, food service, for example, or healthcare coming up next. And then off into the future, we have trust and meal tracking, field operations and CFA. They are engaged during their module and then disengage and go dormant when their module is implemented. There is a potential to reactivate those folks. If there is a, a comm software uh, enhancement that would affect them, we would, for example, call up food service and have them help disseminate information and make them aware of what's going on, what enhancements are coming. These folks in the module-specific change champs, they're physically located in the areas of the facility, back with their teams and ideas that they'd take information back to their teams in those areas, which have traditionally been hard to reach with key information. Now, for the staff, they should go to both module and project-specific change champions for help with questions regarding the comms project. The change network is a little bit different for our FOA staff. Uh, with FOA, there are a lot of smaller offices spread throughout the state with fewer employees. So a facility, uh, quote unquote, change champ doesn't necessarily make uh, sense the same way. Uh, so we've been working with FOA leadership to identify and list project-wide change champs now. This will allow for field field operations, people to have direct contact with them, and they would be assigned to their office. And uh, the comps project team will start meeting with those uh, FOA project-wide change champions on a monthly basis starting in November. And uh, we're working with the leadership right now to get them uh, identified. And, and as we get closer, to the FOA module, which is uh, ways out, we'll bring in uh, the module-specific FOA change champions and begin meeting with them more. Um, I do want to unpack some of the, a couple things that you said. You have module-specific champions and project-wide specific champions. First question is, could you just clarify what those two mean? Are module-specific are they are they the first up and then they kind of go dormant and then the project takes over or are they do they run concurrent to each other how do what's the difference between these two and, and when they start and finish and yep so the uh project wide are there for the whole time generally in the uh warden's executive staff and they're there for the entire time and the module specific as as comms is being implemented as a software package it's being rolled out in modules and each time there's a, a module go live we'll back out a couple of months and start engaging the module specific change champions 
operations during that time so that those folks are very aware and prepared. And at that same time, most people are going through training. So they're learning about the system and they're also hearing about the system. So we're really trying to saturate them with as much knowledge as, and get them as prepared as possible for the day that they, it's turned on and they begin to use it. Yeah, that's um, that, that's great. And I, I guess if, if, there, if there's people out there listening right now and they want to be one of these change champions, is there, is there a mechanism to ask or show interest in that or is there not? They're being assigned right now, okay. but I would I would definitely reach out to the leadership within your facility and say, and say that you have interest and, yeah. and see where that takes them. Okay. And Noah, I'm assuming you have um, a wonderful change champion down there. You want to, you want to give that person a shout out? Yeah. Well, actually, Greg, we have uh, four change champions. And, uh, That's what I said. I said four change champions. Done, no, yeah. Done a great job. And uh, Tim Schubring, our facility manager, and Amy Kohlfeldt, uh, food service director, have been really leading the charge here recently. In regards to uh, the transition to comms in food service, uh, we also have Rob Marinfeld and, and Lieutenant DeMyers that are also serving as change champions. And as Greg was talking about, uh, you know, module champions compared to uh, facility-wide change champions or project-wide uh, change champions, you know, really what we've had is is, is some folks involved that have, have, have good understanding of the entire project moving forward. And, uh, you know, what, what they do is, you know, there's a lot of information being shared uh, Posters, flyers, TV monitors, slideshows, all filled with project information. And Change Champions are, are out there in the facility, and they, they really provide a friendly face at, uh, at our facility and at all locations of, as far as who can help with project information and details. I mean, it's one thing to read it on a poster, but to get a good understanding of what we're trying to accomplish with the implementation of comps, uh, those folks have done a great job. They've been sitting, sitting in on, as Greg talked about, re- regular readiness calls, Leading up to this uh, comms implementation, uh, they've de- you know the readiness calls have really provided detailed information in regards to what's coming up with the launch. In this instance, recently here, a food service uh, comms into food service, and and, and gives them folks an uh, opportunity to ask questions. So when they're out there talking with our staff, they have a real good understanding of what to expect, and and nobody's getting really caught off guard. They have a, you know we've been prepared for this. We know it's been coming for a long time. We've been talking to our staffs and the change champions have kind of been a network for all of us to go out there and, and, and talk with all of our staff so they have a real good understanding um, of what's going on. You know, and just there is a project wide uh, website that lists all the change champions. And, you know, for me, I've, I've been in on all the calls, the readiness calls. Uh, you know, I, I've had an opportunity to work with the staff at Lakeland and now at Cole, or excuse me, at Cotton Correctional Facility, and all the folks involved have done a really good job. It's been a it's been a real pr- privilege of mine to be a part of this uh, this change and working. You know, I know we have a lot to uh, still to implement moving forward. You know, this is a, this goal here for Comms ties back to our department's strategic plan to, to improve communication and co- collaboration in, in offender management and care, specifically two, uh, excuse me, specifically uh, 3.2, which talks about developing a communications pathway for relevant air, information sharing between all administrations. And and we know how important that is. Uh, you know, having worked both in FOA and CFA, uh, you know, that information sharing uh, throughout the throughout uh, the administrations is extremely important. Um, you know, we want to be able to provide uh, continuous case management um, throughout the, you know, the, the through conviction, from conviction through discharge. And, uh, you know, this comms piece is is the beginning of that. And it's it's been, so far, it's been a, a successful launch. And, you know, with the Change Champions, they've done a really good job of getting that information out. Um, and we look forward to moving on to healthcare in the next, uh, you know, several weeks to months. 
Well, Noah, thank you for uh, answering uh, all the questions that I didn't even ask you. So I appreciate you. You're really good at this stuff. He, he is he is a pro. Uh, so I don't really have anything more to say to you, Noah. So I'm going to go back to Greg. Uh, and, and, and Noah touched on it, but if you could just talk about sort of the value of the Change Network and, and why why it's important to have this system out there set sure. up. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a great question. Using a Change Network to share information is a tried and true method to share info, info through large organizations and to help with organizational change. And, and here with the department, we... Comms really represents a large and significant change for the department. Uh, multiple systems are being retired and replaced with comms. Uh, every part of the department is going to be impacted by this new system in some way at some point. Uh, but familiar processes and activities are going to be replaced with new ways of working. So uh, the change network gives staff an opportunity to be more aware of the changes that are coming with comms. So it's really, you know, comms is a journey we're, we're taking together, not something that's just happening to department staff. So, uh, Noah, I mean, do you see your change champions, are, are they going to be more vocational or informational? So when, when when the system is rolling out and, you know, a line staff just has a question, are, are these who pe- people are going to call or email and say, hey, can you help me with this and figure it out? I mean, they're, right now, they're just kind of making people aware of what's coming. But are they going to no, be they're, more... Op- they're, they're more aware of just kind of the process as far as, you know, the implementation piece and what to expect. You know, for example, Amy here, our food service director, has been kind of that that point of contact in her role as a food service director. If there's issues, there's uh, key folks that she's reaching out to to make sure uh, any issues are resolved. The same with, you know, Greg back at at Lakeland. He was doing that as he was piloting it. There was folks that he was working specifically to resolve issues. But the change champions are more serving kind of just that information sharing. This is what it's going to look like. This is what's coming. This is when it's coming. You know, this is what to expect. And, you know, if there are specific questions uh, that staff have, they can certainly reach out to the change champions, and those folks will definitely get that information to them moving forward. Well, I think this is um, super important, guys. I, I think, um, you know, we, we talked about comms a few times on the podcast, but I think this specifically, the change champions and the change, change network, is very, very important to our staff. You know, we, we oftentimes roll out things, not, you know, not, I don't think as big as comms, but we oftentimes roll out things and we don't have this network in place to kind of explain what's going on, to have some experts in the field. And I like, Greg, what you said. You said comms is a journey we're taking together, not something that is just happening to department staff. I, I think that's, I mean, I, I, you should put that in a quote and, and tweet it out, Chris, because I mean, that's kind of the way I feel about this, these change champions of the network is it's, it's a journey that we're going to take together. This, this is a huge change for us, but it's going to make us better. It's going to make us more efficient. It's going to make our jobs easier. And it's not just something that they're doing. It's going to be a journey that we're taking together. So, Greg, I appreciate appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. And uh, Noah, you know, uh, it's great to have you back on the podcast, of course. You know, you've been been around CFA now in a couple of facilities where comms um, was originally piloted, I believe. And now, you know, you're at at Cotton where um, you have a whole new staff in change champions and a whole new change network. So, you know, thank you for what you do every single day. We we, we can't thank you enough for... um, for being that person who's driving, help driving this change. And um, you guys, thanks for coming up on Field Day's podcast. Really do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Chris, that's another interesting series on the role at comms. What did you learn about change champions and the change network today, Chris? Uh, I learned that I am not one. Okay. They said natural leaders are the ones that they choose to, 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 to pick. And I was realizing that nobody had asked me to be one. So I guess I know my station. So that's good. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea to have uh, these change champions, or as Greg no, said, really change idea. champs. I like that in, in a network of, of the champions. So, you know, I, I did learn something new today. I, I didn't. I, I've heard about change champions, but uh, I think we got a little more in depth today about kind of what their roles are and, and uh, how they're selected. So that's always good. But uh, hey, there was a great event last 
Tuesday, I believe, wasn't it, Chris? I saw down in Jackson with with maybe somebody who we'll have on the podcast very soon. Uh, that yeah, that's, Lieutenant that's, Governor, that's right? the hope. Yeah, we don't want to we don't jinx ourselves. Well, but no. yeah, that, that's that's the hope. It's been the hope since he you know since since we had the the governor on. It's always the hope to get the lieutenant governor on too. So yeah, and so yeah, we had a really really great event on Tuesday, like you said, at uh, Parnell, where we unveiled the Last Mile computer coding program with uh, the folks from Last Mile and Google.org. Uh, and some folks from Google, from the Ann Arbor and Detroit offices, were there. Ran a great session in the morning with the, with the students. Talked to them about coding. They they've been mocking up some websites that they're that they're thinking about creating. It's a really cool program. I've, I was flipping through the the, the books um, that they're learning, and wow, this stuff is like light years above my head. I was amazed. And, and these guys were really getting into it. And the the, the prisoners that, that that spoke were really eloquent. That they they really. Are appreciative of this chance uh, and so it was really great to see we had a lot of great people there like you said lieutenant governor gilchrist was there to help kick things off with the director and the warden and everybody did such a great job and it was just a really really good positive day to see the potential in these guys and and how much they appreciate the, the ability to do this and to really change their lives uh, when they get out and have these really really unique skills and so uh, before we go, and uh, we wanted to play just a little bit of audio from that event so you could hear a little bit about, about how that day went. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce our Lieutenant Governor, Garland Gilchrist, and welcome him to the podium. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with all of you today. This is an important moment here for the state of Michigan. Governor Whitmer and I are proud that this program has come to Michigan. I want to thank you, Chris and Beth, for your leadership and the vision to start it in California, but bring it where it needs to be, which is in Michigan. So our responsibility, I think our charge as public servants, as governor and lieutenant governor, is to create the conditions for people in Michigan to be successful. That's for every single person in Michigan regardless of your current station in life, regardless of what part of the state that you come from, regardless of what happened yesterday, it's our responsibility to work with partners, to work with institutions, to use every tool at our disposal to ensure we are maximizing the potential for every person in the state of Michigan. This program is a clear articulation of that standard. This program says that people who are right here in Parnell have the potential to build things. The vocational village has represented that for a number of years, but this program in particular is forward-looking. So the things that people build may not always be physical products, but they may be things he said that we create in our minds, that we experience in the virtual world, that create value for ourselves and for communities. The tools and the skills that you're gaining as part of this program, and the ones that your brothers and sisters in the state of Michigan, I know we're gonna bring this to more facilities, are going to be able to experience, are gonna be ones that will enable you to literally change the world, to have impact on the future. I would like to introduce the co-founder of The Last Mile, Chris Redlitz. Thank you very much. I'm here to, to introduce our next speaker, but, uh, but I also wanted to just tell you how excited I am for you 
we had a chance to chat a little bit inside. And I know you're on the right path because I asked you one question. What question did I ask? Do I dream about code? Do you dream in code? <laughs> so now you're dreaming in code, which means you're on the right path. If you're not dreaming in code, there's a problem. Um, so when, when we started this 10 years ago, we were doing experiments, certainly on our part, because we had never been in prison before and never really had an understanding of what talent resided behind the walls. What we found certainly was there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of desire, there's a lot of commitment. My day job is I run a venture capital firm and I, and I invest in early stage companies and founders with ideas. Um, what I saw when I went into San Quentin the first day was this look of commitment, determination, and desire was the same look that I invest in founders that start companies. So I was struck right away with that and certainly that's evolved into a true reality that giving people an opportunity to succeed uh, with the right support will work. And as Beverly said, many folks have not had a first chance, let alone a second chance. Well, that was, uh, that, that was interesting. That's uh, really, I guess, innovative. You want to talk about coding and... Uh, yeah, we're one of only five states that, yeah. that offer this uh, in the whole country. So, yeah, we're, we're very lucky to be partnered with them. We've been working on this for probably about two years now. Uh, Director Washington met Beverly, who, who co-founded The Last Mile at the White House, actually, a couple of years ago. And ever since then, they've been trying to coordinate this and make this work. And so it's been kind of uh, in the works for, for, for such a long time. And so it was so great to finally meet everybody that was involved. There are so many conference calls and emails and, uh, and all this planning that's going on for the last two years to make this event uh, a reality and to have this class up and running and functional. And hopefully, you know, soon, sometime next year, we're going to start hearing about the first graduates uh, that come out of this class. And we're very much looking forward to hearing from them and, and what they do with their lives. And, and at the event, we had an individual who was a prisoner at San Quentin, which is where this program started, out of prison in California. And he talked about how he was really not really interested in computer coding, didn't know what it was, and was kind of kind of grumpy that he was even kind of put in that class. Now he's doing it for a living, and he's making a great living for himself and for his family. And it was great for the prisoners to kind of put themselves, uh, see that you know that somebody had been in their shoes is now doing this. And he's only been out of prison for a couple of months, and here he is traveling across the country talking about this and, and was able to understand exactly what the guys were doing uh, and was just a real be able to, to talk to them and, and for them to see uh, a successful story right in front of them, I think was really motivating. So just a really great event and uh, look forward to uh, seeing what it produces. Yeah, that's cool. And here's a pop quiz for you, Chris. What, uh, what tie does this podcast have to San Quentin? Uh, it has a very close tie it, two ties okay. actually. Yeah. Those would be the co-hosts of ear hustle. There you go. Made yeah. at San Quentin. That's right. And you know, we, we had the, uh, I guess the co-host and the, and the founder of, of ear hustle was on our podcast. So yeah. Um, we're still we're still tied into San Quentin. That's pretty cool. So that's a, that's a great CFA thing going on. Now let's talk about some FOA things going on, Chris. And if, that, we, if we have to, yeah, we do, we do. There's there's a pretty cool thing going on in FOA here in the very near future. We are going to be kicking off a workload analysis slash study with our staff. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a very good thing. Deputy Director Marlin really wanted this to happen. You know, to to get I guess past the traditional workload study where look at an agent's duties and time and kind of analyze that. He wants to get that, in addition to really looking at what the agents are doing as far as risk, need, responsivity, evidence-based practice, and look at the things we're doing that are making a huge impact. Keep doing those things, 
and look at the things that are, we are doing that may not have such a good impact in, in, in sh- you know, as far as what research says we should be doing. And he wants to look at stop doing those things. So this analysis, this workload analysis is going to be huge for FOA. The Council of State Governments, CSG, was awarded the contract. They are going to subcontract with APPA, and we've had you know, a bunch of APPA staff on this podcast before. Um, they're going to be doing the actual caseload analysis. Um, CSG will put you know, all, of this, all of this information together and kind of give us some recommendations on um, what we're doing well, what we're not doing so well. Um, so that's huge for us in FOA. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to make us better long term, and I'm excited um, for this to happen. So I just wanted to make uh, especially FOA staff aware that this is going to um, be taking place. And we just had the kickoff meeting last week with CSG and APPA, and uh, staff should uh, keep, an, keep an eye out because they may be selected to participate in this analysis. So um, just want to get that word out now. What do you think about that workload analysis, Chris? Are you... Uh, familiar with these things? Work with work, uh, workload, workload analysis. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. not, not, not kind familiar. of what you're doing g- good, and what you're not doing well. <laughs> Maybe we should do that with you up here. See, <laughs> see, if we can uh, get a new PIO. Huh? I, I do not support that. <laughs> well, um, lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Comms, uh, the last mile. You know, some FOA stuff. So, I, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode. And make sure you stay tuned uh, next week for a new episode of Field Days podcast. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, Thanks for tuning in to Field Day's podcast.